how God, um, how, how God made us out of, out of dirt, out of clay. And actually in, in Genesis 2 to 7, we're going to look at that verse again. It says, then the Lord God formed the man, literally that, the Hebrew for that is the Adam, or we're going to say the Jeff, all right? The Lord God formed the Jeff out of the dust of the ground. And so when God made Jeff, made Adam, he was like this. And he made him to be his imager. We've been talking about this, how God made us to represent God in the world. He gave us a mission. He called us to spread his kingdom into all the world, to, to govern and rule and cause the world to become the kind of world he wants it to be. Now, sometimes, this is where the reenactment, we're going to diverge from the script a little bit, okay? Because sometimes when we think about how God did this, we imagine it being something like this, where God said, okay, Jeff, come on, I made you my image. Now get to it. Are you just going to lay there? Come on, I got a, I got a mission for your life. Dad, gum it. When are you going to start getting after it? Why don't you try harder? Why don't you, man, drop down and give me, oh, you already dropped down. Wait. Uh, God, man, what, are, what do I have to do, man? This, these legs are, come on, you're my imager. Now go out and image. Wow, come on, try harder. Do something. No, that's, that's kind of how we like picture it, but actually what happened is we're told that the Lord God breathed, and I'm not going to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation or anything here, <laughs> no kissing going on or anything, but the Lord God breathed into Adam's nostrils, his breath, <laughs> all right, I already had COVID, so it's okay, whoa, and there he goes, man, that's awesome. All right, let's give Jeff a hand. That was, that was, took some courage there. So you may be going, maybe going, what was the point of that? And by the way, I just have to mention one other discrepancy. Probably Adam's complexion was a few shades darker than, than Jeff's as well. But anyway, the other, what was the point of all that? Well, a lot of times we, we fail to realize that everything that God calls us to do is not something we just stir up our gumption and do. But it was the breath of God. It's the breath of God that comes into us and empowers us to be and to do who he called us to be and to do what he called us to do. The breath, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the words used for breath and the words used for spirit are interchangeable. So there's this, this crazy concept that our, the, the breath of God becomes, is God's spirit. And when that breath enters people, enters the first people, that spirit of God is what animates us and made us, makes us become human. It makes us become alive. We were not made to live apart from the spirit of God inside of us. We are not able to live or to function the way God called us to live or to function apart from the Spirit of God 
coming inside of us. And that's, that's really deep stuff. Um, but the reality is, is without His Spirit, we can do nothing. Where God made, the Bible talks about different aspects of people, and it's kind of hard to break down, but the best I can understand, we, we, we can see us as having a body, we have a soul, and that involves our emotions, it involves our, our will, our decision-making process, or you know, ability, and it involves our, our, feel, our emotions, our will, and our thoughts. And that's our soul. But that's not all of us. There is the spirit as well. And the spirit is the animating life force that empowers us, that quickens us, that makes us, that energizes us to live life, as, as God called us to. Um, I, I love how, I like how Jeff did the little backflip and like went off with some purpose and energy, right? That was cool. Because I thought about this, what, is, what, is, what are we trying to get after? We're talking about the title of this message today is The Enterprising Spirit. The Enterprising Spirit. When we look at, you know, we talk about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of weird ideas about what God's Spirit is like, or a lot of just ignorance about the Spirit of God, or the, the Holy Spirit, which is actually in the mystery of God, the third person of the Holy Spirit. The her, third person of God um, in the Trinity is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we just don't know what that Holy Spirit is like. And I, I think a great way to describe the Holy Spirit is He is very enterprising. And what do we mean by that? Well, if you have your hand out, there's a definition there, or it's on the screen here. Enterprising means to be characterized by great imagination or initiative. Characterized by great imagination or initiative. God's spirit is very imaginative. Very creative. There's a whole lot of initiative in God. And when we receive his spirit, we receive that, we get that kind of initiative and um, energy. Uh, Enterprising means ready to undertake projects of importance or difficulty or untried schemes. Ready to do stuff that's tough, that hasn't been tried. That we don't know how it's going to work out, but when God's Spirit comes to us, there's something that we kind of lift up and go, oh man, I think maybe I want to do this. Maybe God's called me to do this. And it's something beyond our own ability. We, there's, uh, enterprising means energetic in carrying out an undertaking. It's not just that, man, I really, I know I should do that, but there's an energy. We become, as we receive God's Spirit in our lives, did I almost kick something over there? Too much inter- that enterprising spirit in me. Watch out. I'm going to knock stuff over. But we, there's, like, there's an energy that we, that we want to live with. Now, one of the dastardly effects of, of sin is that as a result of sin entering the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, that spirit of God, who is not only with them, and fellowshipping with them, and walking with them, and actually in them, in some sense, the Spirit of God was no longer in them in the same way that he had been before. People became spiritually dead. We, become, we are spiritually dead because of our sin. And as a result of sin, we, we're designed to live with the Spirit of God just flowing through our lungs and being full of God's Spirit. But one of the biggest consequences of sin is that 
That is no longer true in the same way that it was when God created us. Now God's still with us, but not in the same way that he was before sin and the separation that we experienced from God. And so we try, much of our life, before we turn to Jesus and are born again, and when we're born again, what happens is our spirits become fully alive again, and God's spirit comes and lives in us. But before we're Christians, and then even after we're Christians, we have these habits of trying to live like, like I was trying to get Jeff to do. Like we're, we're used to living not out of that's being full of God's spirit and being energized by the spirit. We're used to living out of our own strength, out of our own natural resources, out of our own wherewithal, out of our own soul strength even, our own emotions, our own will, our own thoughts. It's so it becomes natural for us to live not as spiritual beings, but as only natural beings. And the beauty of people is that we are both. We are, we are natural. We have a body, and we live in an earthly world, and that's a good thing. We have a soul. That's all good. But we're also spiritual beings. As much as an angel is a spiritual being, human beings are spiritual beings. We, are, we have a spirit. We're made to be spiritual beings. And so, but we live, like so much of our life becomes trying to, like, we're functioning apart from that. Functioning just based on natural stuff. Based even out of the power of our own reason. And this is especially true in a, in a college town. I think this is especially true in, in the Midwest in some ways. Where we just, like, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And we're so, like, uh, elevate our reason. It's what's called the idolatry of the mind. The, our minds are good. They're given by God. But if they become the thing that we use at the highest place to live from. Then that becomes idolatrous. That becomes trusting our minds in ways that they were not designed to be able to carry out. And we're, we really are worshiping our own minds as this, the source of life and understanding instead of God's spirit. But one of the incredible things is, you guys following with me? You see how this, I mean, this is so natural for us. So, the, you know, the, the, the reason. There's, but there's something beyond our reason, there's something beyond our strength. To be an imager means to have restored to us the Spirit of God coming inside of us and us being full of His Spirit and living from that. Really, a lot of, Jesus talked a lot when He was walking on the earth about how He was going to send the Spirit to His followers. That one of the consequences of Him dying for our sins and being raised to life, was that the Spirit would return to people in the way that it was originally intended to be. And we could have restored to us that kind of, the way God, the initial design, that the Spirit would be with us, and even in us. In John 16, 7, Jesus is talking about this. He's talking to his disciples, and he says this. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, and that's the Helper is another name for the Holy Spirit. If I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If you can put yourself in the disciples' shoes, when they heard Jesus say this, I think they probably had a really hard time believing him. 
when he said, it's better for you that I go. It's like, what? No way. Jesus, you've been, like, you're right here. And you're doing all of this stuff. Like, you are, you're bringing words of life. You're everywhere you go. People just kind of get rejuvenated. People are getting healed. Demons are fleeing away. Miracles are happening. You're, you're, you know, to different degrees, they had a revelation that he was the Son of God. And, and he was the Son of God. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's better for you that I'm not here with you anymore. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But Jesus was saying, hey, it, there's, I'm going to be gone, but what, who, what I am, God on the earth, walking around in a body, that's not going to be the case anymore. But what's going to be even better is that my spirit is going to come. And it's not just going to be like, here I am and you can interact with me, but he's going to come and, and fill every one of you and live in you, and be with you. That is much better for you. You'll be able to do more. My presence will be more real in the world when I leave and send my spirit to come and be in every one of you than when I was walking, right now when I'm walking around. It's an advantage. Um, that's, and God's spirit coming to us, it's just amazing. I was, I'm reading through Exodus right now, in the Old Testament. And it's talking about when they were building the tabernacle, which was the, the tent, that, the precursor to the temple where God's presence came and lived. And it talks about how there were certain people that were called by God to physically construct the tabernacle. And it says the Spirit, came up, the Spirit of God came upon them, and they were anointed with this ability to do incredible craftsmanship and design and embroidery and all the, 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 the making of this tabernacle. But what caught my attention was it was the Spirit coming. The Spirit came on them, and there were then gifts that came upon them to do things with a creativity and an energy that they couldn't have done by themselves. And that same sort of creative, enterprising spirit is the same type of spirit that God wants to bring in each and every one of our lives. It may, it may be like a craftsmanship. It may be in engineering. It, it's in different spiritual gifts that he brings to us. But it's a dynamic, life-giving spiritual power that God brings to those who, who, follow, in, who, who follow him. Um, you know, I, we may have different levels of comfort with the idea of the Holy Spirit. And some of us come from religious traditions where there is, it's kind of like uh, the story I heard about about a Korean pastor who came to America and visited a, a church, a very large, successful church. And he went to the service, and he said, afterwards, they asked him, hey, what do you think? And he said, you know, it was amazing. You guys, like your church, it was flawless. Everything went off so effectively. The only thing that was missing was God. You guys, you're doing church without God. And it's like, wow, that's how, how much of our even like, Christian experience can be using our own natural ability and not relying upon the presence of God and the Spirit of God. And so oftentimes, it's, it's in Western Christianity, that's, that's been the case. And I'm not pointing any fingers, but it's so often we talk about being Christians and the Holy Spirit, it's like the redheaded stepbrother of the Trinity. 
Like, you don't talk about him. There's the Father, there's Jesus, and then, yeah, there's, there's some sort of spirit. I, I, we just don't really know what to do with him. And, but then there's also just like, there are a lot of excesses and weirdness. When people talk about the Holy Spirit, you've got like Christian television and the, this crazy stuff that sometimes you see done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And some of us have, have had experiences with people maybe being overly forceful or just weird. Like, okay, you need the Holy Spirit, so that means you need to do this. And there can just be some strange things that are done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so we wanna, I want to say that that's, neither of those is what we're after. But what we're after is knowing that, hey, we, God wants to give us his Spirit. He wants to fill us with his Spirit. And the point is not to do tricks or have a badge or anything like that, but it's to be infused with his creativity and power to live the life that he's called us to live. Um, that makes sense? Okay. So, I just want to try to break it down a little bit more. How do we, so how do we live with the Spirit? That all sounds like nice. That sounds good. How do we do this? Well, the first thing we've got to understand is that we receive the Spirit, and if, you're, if you have your handouts, if you're taking notes, these are some of the blanks in your handouts you can fill in. We receive the Spirit when we believe in Jesus. Everyone who turns from their sin and trusts Jesus as their Savior and their Lord, something miraculous happens, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We see this first illustrated that after Jesus was resurrected, he came to his disciples and appeared to them. And his very first encounter with them in John chapter 20, we'll read it here. It says, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So there's that mission. I'm sending you into the mission you were created for. You're to go into all the world and bring my presence, bring my kingdom, bring people to know me. I'm sending you in the same way. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Oh, does that sound familiar? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's the first disciples. They had, when they first encountered Jesus after he had died and raised again, they had, they saw him, they believed in him, and he breathed on them and said, receive the, Holy, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and lived with them from that point on. We have elsewhere in Scripture, it's evident that that happens to everyone who believes in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, lives inside of us. And so there's a confidence we can have if, if we have turned from our sins and trusted in Jesus, believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as our King, that God's Spirit is no longer out there but he has come to live in here. And it's really cool when you, when you read the, when you study the New Testament, that it seems that what happens when that happens is that not only does the Holy Spirit come and live inside of us, but it's like our spirits that were spiritually dead become alive again. And there's a, an intermingling of our spirit with the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you're in the, in the Greek in which the New Testament was written, they, there, was, there, were no, there was no punctuation, there were no periods, there was no capitalization. And so when the, when the New Testament writers are talking about the Spirit, 
it's oftentimes hard to tell if they're talking about the Holy Spirit, capital S, or our spirit, little s. It's talking about the Spirit in us, and it's really just so intertwined and coming together as one, in a sense, that we don't know, like, is that God's Spirit? Is that our Spirit? It's because really our Spirit is designed to be really God's Spirit in us, animating us, and, and energizing us. So we receive the Spirit when we believe in Jesus. Now this next point is really, really important. Our hosting affects our interaction with the Spirit. Okay, what, what does that mean? Our hosting affects our interaction with the Spirit. So everyone who believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. But there's a level of his presence in our life, the level of his activity in our life, that is connected to how well we welcome him, how well we host him. It's like if, if you were a landlord and owned a rental property, you own an apartment that you rent out for people to live in, you have the right to come to that, that that's your house, that's your apartment, you can come there, but you're going to be more likely to come when the people who live there are welcoming you. And the Holy Spirit is kind of like that. He, it's not that he's not there. It's not a perfect analogy. But the more we welcome him, the more we say, Holy Spirit, come. I want to give you free reign. I want you to lead my life. I want you to direct my life. What are you doing? Where are you going? I want to listen to you. The more we host him, the more free reign he has. Our, our welcoming affects the relationship. I like how and it can make him more active in our life or less active in our life. Let's look at one more scripture here that illustrates this. In 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, Paul the Apostle is writing, and he says, Rejoice always. This is like good Christian instructions of how to live. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Pray all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In this next sentence, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast, hold to what is good, and stay away from every form of evil. There's a whole lot of really good instructions about how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. And right in the middle of it, it says, don't quench the Spirit. Quench, that's like putting out a fire. And that's, so there are things that we can do that sort of like put out the Holy Spirit in our life. I think about this, I think about when I, my relationship with my wife, with Reagan. That there are a lot of things I can do that can quench our relationship. And there are a lot of things I can do that can make our relationship better. There are, and I think that's how you can take these instructions. It's not just like, here's a list of good, good things to do and bad things to not do. But it's more like, how do we follow the Holy Spirit? How do we listen to God? And align ourselves with him in a way where he's more present in our life. Think about just yesterday, Reagan told me, hey, you, you're clearing your throat like all the time. Stop doing that. It's so annoying. Like it makes me not want to be in the same room as you. And so I'm starting to try to catch that habit more. You probably noticed me doing it this morning. I don't know. 
But like, I think about all the things I've done. I remember when I first, after I started my relationship with Reagan, I can't remember if this, I think this was after we got married before she really brought up this, but she's like, you know, you're unibrow. I don't like it. Like, why don't you trim that sucker? <laughs> and so, for the last 25 years, I haven't had a unibrow. First 22 years of my life, well, not all of it, because I didn't have a unibrow when I was a baby, but at least, you know, there were good, there's a good stretch there where, like, I had a really huge eyebrow. And it actually, like, really pretty much came together all the way. And it really, you know, I look back at pictures, I was like, why didn't I trim that baby? <laughs> well, I thought, man, there were some weird reasons, but when, when Reagan, who I really cared about a relationship with her, said, hey, you should trim that. I adjusted my behavior for the sake of the relationship. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. The more we're sensitive to wanting his presence in our life, the more we adjust our behavior to do things that, that welcome him. There's a pastor, a lot of you know him, Bill Johnson. He talks about living as if the Holy Spirit was a dove. It's a picture in the Bible, the Holy Spirit being like a dove. Imagine if there was a dove on your shoulder and you didn't want him to fly away. How would you act? You'd be very sensitive to every motion. You'd be like, okay, what am I going to do to keep the dove on my shoulder? And that's the more we're conscious of our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. And be like, Holy Spirit, I want you. What is pleasing to you? What, what welcomes you in my life? And what quenches your presence in my life? Just um, a couple days ago, I was, I was reading the Bible in the morning, and I was starting to pray. And I was just starting to, to pray, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, enough of all the formalities. And I was like, I realized, I was like just kind of going through the like stuff I got in the habit of saying. I don't even, can't even tell you what it was, but it was like, oh Lord, I come before you, and you're so awesome. It was like good stuff, but it wasn't really sincere. It wasn't really from a place of, hey Lord, I'm coming to you, let's, let's talk now. Let's, what do you have? I was just kind of like going through the motions, and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, enough of all the niceties. Like, it was like I could tell, like, he didn't like that. It wasn't conducive to a relationship. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't like that either. Okay, I'm so glad, God, that you don't like that. So let's, let's just talk here. Let's, let's have a conversation. And so, that's the, having it, the more we desire God's presence in our life, the more we desire the Spirit in our life, the more we're sensitive and saying, God, how do I, what do I do? How do I listen? That whole pray without ceasing, that can be like, you can hear that like, oh, dear Lord, impossible. Pray without ceasing. Man, that's impossible. Or it can be like, oh, God is inviting me into an ongoing conversation with him throughout my life. Let's stay in connection and communication with God throughout the day. That's, that's, that's how we, we connect with God, host with him, and invite his, his presence into our life more and more. So our hosting affects our interaction with the Spirit. This is... So it's not about rules, but it's about relational interaction. And this applies in all of our life. This, if you're a, a mom, and you've got tons going on with little kids or older kids and stuff happening, we can practice this of throughout the day. Lord, I've got a lot going on, but God, I want to welcome you into my life. Lord, what are you saying? 
What are you doing? What do you want me to do with my kids today? How does, man, laundry. Okay, Lord, what's, what are you doing in the middle of me doing laundry? It can be a student as we're going, doing our homework, going to class. It's not just doing the stuff, but it's, Holy Spirit, where are you? What are you doing? What do you, what do you, what do you want to do today? What, what's going on around me, Lord? What's going on in the people around me? It can be every one of us at our, at our jobs, and maybe jobs that we don't like very much a lot of times. It can seem like such a, a, a burden, such a, nece- you know, maybe a necessary evil, but when we see, no, God's, God desires to be in this environment. He desires to partner with me. He desires for me to host him in this environment. Lord, what are you doing? How can I do my work with you and for you and part of your purposes? Holy Spirit, where are you? Come, be more involved. Man, that, that changes what we're doing dramatically. I've got I to gotta fix a toilet at my house again. I'm like, okay, can I do this? Man, that's a real test. If I can, like, host the presence of God's Spirit as I'm fixing a toilet, man, I, man that's going to be a really good experience. Man, <laughs> I hope it goes well. We'll see. It hasn't gone too well oftentimes in the past, so hopefully it goes better this time. So last, last thing I want to talk about here, really, or the next thing is, God's presence in our life, we need spirit empowerment in our life. This isn't just like, oh, you know, that's a nice thing. But just like Jeff needed the spirit of God to come in him, we need the empowerment of the spirit in our life. We need it for life, and we especially need it to be part of the mission that God's called us to. We especially need it to be his representatives and to see him use our lives. For his glory. It's not just a matter of like, oh, well, am I a good Christian? Am I going to heaven? But it's like, or what do I know? It's not even just a matter of like, what do I know about God? How much Bible knowledge do I have? But if it's like, oh, can I lead someone to Christ? Oh, I need the empowerment of the Spirit. I can't do that without, and God's called me to do that. God's called me to lead other people to Jesus. I can't do that in my own life. I, I tried for a number of years to be a good Christian, and God was doing good things in my life, but it was when I really began to experience more of asking God for his empowerment, asking God to baptize me with the Holy Spirit, asking God to give me spiritual gifts, and over, just really lead me with the greater empowerment of his spirit, things started to change, and I found myself, I was in college at the time, I found myself just having a boldness. I had been the most shy quiet, afraid-of-talking person in any environment I was ever in, pretty much. And I found myself wanting to counter the professor's anti-God drivel with something different, because there was just something welling up inside of me that had never been there before. I found myself having conversations with people, and starting a Bible study, and inviting people to things that I just, that had never happened before. I found that it wasn't too long after that after I really invited the Holy Spirit to come and empower me and had a couple of friends pray for me and lay their hands on me, as the Bible talks about, as a way of receiving more of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And I began to experience more spiritual gifts. I began to experience praying in, in tongues, the Bible talks about, speaking in a different language that's not of our own learning, but it's a, the spiritual language that God gives us. And that was really great. I began to practice that. But more than that, there was just an empowerment. And, you know, it was within a few months that the guy living across the hall from me in the dorm gave his life to Jesus. 
and became a Christian. There's an empowerment that comes. We, have to, we need this empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live the life he's called us to. In Acts 1.8, we, we read the words of Jesus that before he was, after he was resurrected, before he went back to heaven, he was speaking to his disciples. And he said this, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He'd given them these great marching orders. You're supposed to go. Be my witnesses. You're supposed to go. Take the gospel everywhere. But he, and elsewhere, he's, we read that he told them, but don't go yet. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem because first you need to receive power from on high. First you need to receive the Holy Spirit coming upon you and this divine empowerment. And that, when that happens, you're going to be my witnesses here and all over the world. And that's exactly what happened. They waited the Holy Spirit came upon them in a powerful way, and they were emboldened and empowered and energized to become enterprising people who spread the gospel around the whole world. In Ephesians 5.18, we're told, don't get drunk with wine. Oh, shoot, there's another rule. Don't do that. No, but missing the point. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation. That, like, weakens you. It doesn't empower you. But be filled with the Spirit. Hey, what we're really looking for so often in other things, we're looking for this empowerment. We're looking for something to help us change our personality and come out of ourselves and be free. But we're told, man, that's not where it's at. Don't, don't look to that, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where this empowerment comes from. Be in literally the, the, tense, the Greek tense of this is be continually filled. Live a life of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. How do, you, how do we know when, how do you know when something's full? It's interesting. I've had, like, debates with people about whether or not they were filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Because it's not a, like, it's not an intellectual question. When something's full, when this cup is filled, you know it's full when it starts to overflow. Fill it up until it's full, and then when it's pouring over, that's when it's filled. And when the Holy Spirit is filling our life, there's, there's an overflow. There's, there's an energy. There's hope. There's a, a boldness. There's a life. There's a power. There's a love for other people that it's, we receive it, and then it overflows, and we're like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. We were Little, as we did a couple weeks ago, we did our 10 days of prayer heading into the year, and we were really praying for alignment with God and empowerment. And I was starting off, like, I think it was day one, I was like, God, I was saying, we need empowerment. I was like, you know, I don't feel very empowered right now. I said, okay, wait, 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 I've learned a little bit. What do I do now? Okay, wait, just ask God. God, would you fill me up with your spirit? And the moment I just prayed that, I was like, like, oh, I think I got it. Sometimes it, like, it, sometimes it can be that simple. You just like ask God to fill you and like, oh, okay, there, he did it. Man, now there's something more. And I tell you, I, I pray that prayer over and over and over again because we get filled, but we leak. And we have to be continually refilled. Like, God, fill me with your spirit. Would you come? Would you fill me? 
Um, a lot of times I can tell, how do I know when I'm being filled with the Spirit? There's creativity that comes. You know, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, you know, not feeling very creative, not feeling very Christian, not feeling like anybody wants to be around me, I don't, or maybe, you know, I don't want to be around them. But I, like, start reading the Bible, I start praying, and now I, like, I always, when I, when I read the Bible and pray, I grab a notebook and a pen. Because I found that as I, as I host the Holy Spirit, and I make room for him, and I pray and say, God, would you come? I need you today. Would you empower me? Would you fill me? Like, I start, like, this is just creativity that starts to come. I start getting all these ideas of, like, man, what do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? And for, I used to think, like, maybe that's a distraction from the devil, but I realized, no, that's actually the Holy Spirit. Like, he's energizing me. He's empowering me. He's saying, like, this is what I got for you today. And I start, like, having ideas. And there'll be times I'm like, oh, I've got no idea what I'm going to preach this week. And sometimes that's like a really slow process. But then there are times where it's just like, bam, 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 there's the message. Just like that. It's like, wow, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Like, creativity comes, that enterprising spirit comes. We need spirit empowerment. You know, the, the, the life, man, it's just so exciting what God does through our lives and what he calls us to. And, but we, we need to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. To live like that. Partnership with him. We need his empowerment. So, how do we get more of this enterprising spirit in our life? How do I get more of the spirit? How do I, how do I get empowered? Well, first thing, it's really very simple, is we ask. We ask. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is, Luke chapter, that's not right, is it? Maybe it is. Okay, yeah. That's what I know it says. Um, but it's, it should be Luke. Yeah, Luke 11, 9-13. Yeah. I, so Jesus is teaching. He says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. There it is. Ask, and you'll receive Ask will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, so there it is, just, man, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. God answers when we ask him. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, I've, I've heard people say, like, oh, we shouldn't ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit because then maybe the devil will come into our life. That sounds insane. But people really, like, they're just so, like, scared of the spiritual world that they're like, no, don't, don't, like, ask for the Holy Spirit because, like, just, like, I don't know what to do with that spiritual world. But, no, if you, if you have a father ask for something good, ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion or a snake. He goes on, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow, this whole thing about asking and receiving, he's saying it's about asking for the Holy Spirit as we ask him. So, first thing is, is ask. I think the biggest obstacle to us receiving more of the Holy Spirit in our life is our expectation. There's, when we have an expectation, we have a faith in God, that God, you want to give this to me. Lord, you said... Asking you'll receive. You want to give me this good gift. So I'm just going to come expecting. 
you have it for me. When we come with expectation, we receive. When we come with doubt, it hinders us receiving what God wants to give to us. Um, so the biggest obstacle is, is expectation. I think the next biggest is hunger. A lot of times, we really don't even ask because we're really not that hungry. And so hunger leads to, to wanting more. When the, when the disciples, after Jesus went back to heaven, were, were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they spent 10 days praying together. They were hungering. They're saying, God, we need what you want to send us. You promised the Holy Spirit, Lord, we, we want that. We want you. Come, will you come? There was a hunger. And then at the end of 10 days, the Holy Spirit came. A lot of times there's this process that we have to seek, we have to hunger, we have to desire. As we're asking, to the degree that we ask and persistently ask, the Holy Spirit comes in our life more and more. Another great way to get more and receive more of the Holy Spirit, the empowering Spirit, enterprising Spirit in our lives is through worship. And don't we experience that a lot? That as we worship, as we set our mind on God, just sometimes, like, something changes. We get, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive, it's just kind of like something's poured into us. As we set our mind on God, as we sing. Some really good advice is that, is that if you have ten minutes to pray, spend the first eight minutes worshiping. And then, like, the last two minutes of pray will be, prayer will be, you'll have an overflow of things to pray out of worshiping God and looking to him and just magnifying who he is. Then it's not just like, oh, man, I need to pray. But it's, oh, this is who you are. God, this is what you want to do. Something happens, and then we, we pray with so much more power. So worship naturally leads to us opening up and receiving more of God's presence, the spirit in our life. Another way to get more of the enterprising spirit is through what the Bible calls laying on of hands. That's what I mentioned earlier. The most common way we saw people in the, in the Bible, in Acts, get empowered with the Holy Spirit, get baptized with the Holy Spirit, as it's described, is to have people pray for, other people pray for them and lay hands on them. And the Bible describes it. We, somehow there's something mysterious that happens when we're around one another and we pray for one another and lay our hands on them that somehow God's Spirit is imparted from one person to another. That's one of the reasons I believe that the, it's so important for Christians to be gathering together in person. There's just like the whole idea of like, oh, we can do church online. No, we receive God's spirit through our actual interaction with other people. And that even includes physical interaction and, and touch and praying for each other. There's something that happens that can't be replicated. Um, I mean, God, God can do it other ways, but the way he's designed it, the way he does it is very frequently through through. Through that, and the last thing, the last way I want to touch on about how do I get more of the enterprising spirit is what's what I call waiting, waiting on Him. That means not being in a hurry, stepping aside from our busy lives and what we got going on, saying, "Okay, God, I need You. Let's take some time here in Your presence. Let's take some time here with You. Lord, will You come?" A great prayer to pray is, Lord, would you just, would you download your, your love into my heart right now? Download your spirit into my heart right now. I'm waiting on you. God, I'm looking to you. That's, it's, it's amazing how often, like, it's not always the case, but it will be often where you'll feel something. When you just, you pray that and wait, like, oh, 
there's something happening spiritually inside of me right now. It's, it's good to have like extended times where like, God, I'm going to get with you for an hour or a day or whatever it is. Like that's, that should be a regular, those of us who are followers of Jesus, that should be a regular part of our life. Having chunks of time on a daily basis where we're with God, we're reading the Bible, we're waiting, we're listening. Um, but it can also be just like brief, like, and it's, but also it's like checking in with God throughout the day. Just staying and pray without ceasing. God, what do you got going on? What are you saying? Lord, I need this. I'm feeling this, Lord. Would you help me? What do you want to do here? Just connecting with God, waiting on Him, and touching base with Him as we, as we live. And one idea I just read about recently, and I just practiced it for the first time in my life yesterday, and it was awesome. Um, this was from Bill Johnson, who I mentioned earlier. He talks about taking five-minute vacations. And he's where you just like, okay, I'm going to take a five-minute break right now. I'm going to like close the door, be by myself. No phone interruptions. And just, God, would you just, would you come now? Would you download your love to me right now? And I'm just going to like linger with, I'm going to wait with you. A five-minute vacation. Lord, give me your love. I, I did that yesterday, and I was just, I wasn't feeling very loving. And it was like, Oh, man, okay, God, there's your love. Yeah, you're, man, yeah, you are, man, you're so with me. You're so for me. You really like me. God, I can't believe how much you love me. God, thank you so much, Lord. This is great. This is, I, man, I needed this. This is good. And then there's this, like, the overflow starts to happen, where it's like, okay, yeah, man. I start just wanting to love other people. This project that I'm working on is like, oh, yeah, it's not just about this project, but this is a way to love people. And, okay, God, how can I love people more? Lord, and that's just, there's, there's just a love and a prayer and a faith that, that comes as, as we wait and receive from him. So, I, we're just going to take a minute and do that right now. Um, worship team, you want to come on up here? I just want to take a minute for us to, to not just talk about receiving more of the Holy Spirit, but receive a little more of him right now, or a lot more.